just going to start out by um, saying that if we make it through this entire time without some crazy dogs barking, it'll be pretty miraculous. So bear with us here. So we'll start with um, this verse, these verses from Leviticus, Leviticus 17 verses 10 through 16. And this is from the message. I just, I, I like the way that, um, that it came across. If any Israelite or foreigner living among them eats blood, I will disown that person and cut him off from his people. For the life of an animal is in the blood. I have provided the blood for you to make atonement for your lives on the altar. It is the blood, the life that makes atonement. That's why I tell the people of Israel, don't eat blood. The same goes for the foreigner who lives among you. Don't eat blood. Any and every Israelite, this also goes for the foreigners who hunts down an animal or bird that is edible, must bleed it and cover the blood with dirt because the life of every animal is, in, is its blood. The blood is its life. That's why I tell the Israelites, don't eat the blood of any animal because the life of every animal is its blood. Anyone who eats the blood must be cut off. Anyone, whether native or foreigner, who eats from an animal that is found dead or mauled must wash his clothes and bathe in water. He remains unclean until evening and is then clean. If he doesn't wash or bathe his body, he'll be held responsible for his actions. Word of God for the people of God. Um, so this past summer, I took a class on Leviticus. I know, I know, I know how to have a good time during a summer quarantine during the pandemic, but I had a signature paper due at the end of the class which, side note, let me tell you about this nonsense. My professor, who was, by the way, um, thanked by Rob Bell on his acknowledgement page of his newest book, um, one of his specifications for all the papers that we wrote was that we needed a, quote, witty title. Get out of here. Like, it wasn't enough for me to write 12 pages on Leviticus. I had to come up with a witty title as well. So, yeah, don't make me come up with some ridiculous title, but I'm a rule follower. What can I say? So the title of my last paper was called More Than Just a Bodily Fluid. The connection between, <laughs> I can get, barely get it out. More Than Just a Bodily Fluid, The Connection Between Blood and Life in Leviticus 17, verses 10 through 16. Just as much as I felt silly saying it. I felt stupid just typing that mess. But anyway, I texted Vicki when I had finished this paper because I always feel like it's a cause for celebration when I'm able to, to get through one. Um, and she kidded me. I don't know if you remember this, Vicki, but she kidded me with, yeah, that'll preach. Um, she didn't know she was actually going to be sitting through a sermon on Leviticus <laughs> and more specifically the prohibition of blood in Leviticus. If you're anything like me, you haven't spent much time reading what most of us think of as an ancient book. It's filled with crazy, seemingly way outdated laws. I surveyed a few people um, at the beginning, well, a few months ago when I started to write this, 
um, and ask them what they think of when I just said, tell me what you think of when I say the book of Leviticus. So I got the following answers, rules, lots of rules, laws, old laws, homosexuality, bestiality, um, got this one, being gay is a sin and you'll burn in hell. It's a light one, huh? Um, sacrifice and holiness and bodily fluids. Lots and lots of bodily fluids. Rob Bell's commentary on Leviticus is actually titled Blood, Guts, and Fire. So see, my title wasn't too far off, was it? Other responses included weird laws that solve problems I would never encounter. My own daughter described it as disappointing, confusing, and scary. So that's what I'm preaching on tonight. Um, so yes, Leviticus is filled with laws and consequences, but I do believe that there's more that we can um, learn from this ancient book of the Bible. Maybe just not what you're used to or what you've grown up learning. So let me just get a little of this, the boring, nerdy stuff out of the way. The book of Leviticus is composed of 27 chapters, and it can be divided into two distinct sections. The first half, chapters 1 through 16, is called the Priestly Code, and 17 through 27 is called the Holiness Code. So let's start with the Priestly Code. It's called this because it's filled with instructions to, can anybody guess who the instructions are written to in the priestly code? Christian. The priests. Very nice. I knew, I knew we'd get it. We're a smart bunch. The reason why the priests were being instructed though, through the first half of the book was so that they could instruct and model different practices of things like sacrifice and worship and purity for the Israelite people. You see, because God was holy, one could not come in contact with him unless they were considered, quote, clean. And coming in contact with God meant being able to enter the temple. So I'm going to try to boil down succinctly in actually a sentence or two, um, the first five weeks of my class, <laughs> I'm going to try to explain it this way. And I'm not sure if it's going to make total sense, but I'm going to give it a shot here. Um, Christine Hayes, a, a scholar giving a lecture at Yale, explained it this way. There are two states that people could be in, Israelite people could be in, common and holy. In the, com quote, common state, and we can talk about this later, if you'd like, um, one could be in that common state, one could be considered impure or pure, depending on how well they followed the rituals and the practices that the priest um, instructed them on. So to be considered holy, one must be pure. So in those two states, common and holy, you could be pure or impure, but to be holy, one had to be pure. And there, there was a very cool graphic that doesn't really um, play out through, through a sermon without it, but 
all the ritual practices that were located in the first half of Leviticus had a purpose, and that was to obtain the state of holiness so that you could encounter God. It was all about purity in order to reach holiness. So you're welcome. You just got five weeks of a seminary class in, in a short paragraph. So you're welcome. Um, so trust me when I tell you that it's safe to say that this priestly code or the first half of the book of Leviticus is preoccupied with issues of sacrifice and ritual. Likely why everyone I asked described this book as they did. But here's where it takes a turn, in my opinion. The second half of the book of Leviticus is commonly referred to as the holiness code. And that's what kind of what I want to focus on this evening. So the holiness code pivots. Let me stop you there. Who had a picture of Ross and other friends with the couch going up the, the stairs? No. But they, it pivots from focusing on sacrifice and ritual to ethical and moral laws. You see, simply abiding by ritual purity laws wasn't enough. Ritual purity had to be coupled with ethical conduct to be holy. Holy as God was holy. So one had to be holy or emulate holiness in order to encounter God who was holy. Holiness required must, much more than priestly ritual, and it extended to every person, every person in Israel, in every facet of their lives, not just um, their behavior, their, their um, actions at the temple. So I don't know about you, but in current day context, this reminds me, it just kind of sits with me that our faith means so much more than just these legalistic actions. Do this, this, and this, and you're in. Following Jesus, to me, means so much more than just following rigid steps. So if you'll hang in and be patient for just another minute, this is where I want to talk about the verse from earlier. You see, all the prohibitions about the consumption of blood aren't just rules for the sake of rules. Blood equaled life. God's creation was diminished by the loss of life. Biblical scholar Samuel Ballantyne writes, the holiness code insists that there can be no viable society unless all humankind lives in accordance with the injunction against the consumption of blood. The consumption of blood through eating meat improperly meant a disregard for human life and all life begin, all life belongs to God. So we could even propose that this care and this concern for life goes all the way back to proper ordering in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. People of Israel were being instructed to have an awareness for life and for not just life, but for life and death and God's care for creation and the people who will care for the world. So to me, it kind of takes on a different, um, it doesn't seem so random, these blood laws, when you look at it in terms of um, value for life. Verses 10 through 12 say, I have provided the blood for you to make atonement for your lives on the altar. It is the blood, the life, that makes atonement. 
That's why I tell the people of Israel, don't eat blood. The same goes for the foreigner who lives among you. Don't eat blood. I'm sure you can probably anticipate where I'm, where I'm going to take this. Does any of this sound familiar? It's the blood, the life that makes for atonement. It's low hanging fruit, I think, but I'm going to try, I'm going to take it because it's something that's worth hearing. And I think it's something that we, we need to hear right now. God has provided the blood required for atonement through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. I do think it's important to hear this regularly because in the daily grind of things, it's easy to forget. God sent his son, his one and only son, to die upon the cross to atone for our sins. And yes, I know that there's so, so much more to it. Jesus defeated death through his resurrection and heaven has been now been brought here to earth. But sometimes we need to hear that God sacrificed his son to atone for our sins. I certainly don't want to make this about me by any means, but I need to hear this message and I'm guessing that you could too. I need to hear the message from John 3.16 that God sent his only begotten son for me for you, for all, for us all. I know, I know at least I'm sick and tired of hearing about 2020, and I'm quite sure that you all are too. Worst year ever, train wreck, dumpster fire. (laughs) The list goes on and on, but those are probably the only descriptions that are appropriate for a church service. So we'll just, we'll stop there. Here's some real talk, and hopefully you'll resonate with at least part of it. I am struggling. I've been struggling for the better part of this year. What started with the uncertainty of a pandemic, it morphed into the craziness of the quarantine and all that that brought to it, to the picture. For me, that was followed by loss and the overwhelming grief that still comes in waves that feel unmanageable at times. In addition to missing out on months with my dad before his death because of COVID, I, I feel like mourning was its next victim. It's hard to properly mourn when you're not, when you're unable to be around your large extended family I feel like through talking about memories, you begin to heal. But when those memories don't come out like they should, like they're supposed to, it feels like the morning, it gets bottled up a little bit at a time until it feels unbearable. To all of you who have experienced loss this year, and I know that there's been many, it's not just, not just me. I mourn with you, I remember, and I see you. For those who have had to rearrange their lives because you're now working and wrangling your kids as they sit in front of a computer screen to receive their education, I see you. 
for those who struggle with mental illness exacerbated by the circumstances of this year, or you're part of a family that it impacts, I see you. For those who have experienced layoffs or massive changes in their careers because of the effects of COVID, I see you. For those who have been sick during this time with COVID or, or other things that you worry is, are COVID, and for those who are still living with the worry of, become, of becoming sick, you are seen. For those who feel the weight of the massive upheaval and the civil unrest in this country, you too are seen. God sent his son for each and every one of you. In all of these circumstances, plus a million more, you are seen by the most high God. You are loved. Your life is treasured. It may not feel like it sometimes, especially when you might feel like you're in the pit of one of those scenarios, but you can count on this much. That blood that was shed for you, that was shed for the atonement of our sins, it's a gift. It's a gift that's worth more than anything in this life. If you remember nothing else from this talk tonight, remember this. You are loved. You are loved by many, but let this sink in again. You are loved and revered by the God of our universe. So while we may struggle, and I know I do, from day to day, and while we try to muster the courage and the energy that's needed to make it through these last few months of this year that frankly, I just like to forget, remember this love that has been bestowed upon you. How can it get any better than that? Join me in prayer. Merciful God, we thank you tonight for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this world we could do to deserve this gift, but you gave of your son. We thank you for helping us make sense of ancient texts like Leviticus. You have been ever present from the beginning and to think that you love us is absolutely mind blowing. God, we're all dealing with stuff. Some of it is heavy. All of us carry burdens of varying degrees from one day to another. Help us to lighten those loads and to remember that we can call on you anytime. Hear our cries, O oh Lord, and help us continue to call out your name in times of trouble and the good times. I ask that you hear the cries on our hearts tonight, and we pray that you know and feel the gratitude as well. God, help us to get through this next week with you at the forefront of our minds and our souls. Help us to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to you. We love you and we are so very thankful for the lives that you've given us. It's in your son's holy name we pray. 
Amen. So for the last few weeks, um, we've been sharing a psalm throughout the service. So tonight leading into um, communion, which is a reminder to, to grab your elements. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, will I lift up my soul. My God, I have put my trust in thee. O let me not be confounded, neither let mine enemies triumph over me. For all they that hope in thee shall not be ashamed, but such as transgress without a cause shall be put to confusion. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me forth in thy truth and learn me. For thou art the God of my salvation. In thee hath been my hope all the day long. Call to remembrance, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, which have been ever of old. O remember not the sins and offenses of my youth, but according to thy mercy, think thou upon me, O Lord, for thy goodness. Gracious and righteous is the Lord, therefore he will teach sinners in the way. Them that are meek shall he guide in judgment, and such as are gentle, them shall he learn his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, be merciful unto my sin, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? He shall him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is among them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever looking unto the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and in misery. The sorrows of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my troubles. Look upon my adversity and misery, and forgive me all my sin. Consider mine enemies, how many they are, and they bear a tyrannous hate against me. O keep my soul and deliver me, let me not be confounded, for I have put my trust in thee. Let perfectness and righteousness dealing wait upon me, for my hope hath been in thee. Deliver Israel, O God out of all his troubles. Mm -hmm. 